0: Hey, everybody. This is Chad Pytel. We're at RubyConf 2012, and we've pulled some people aside to tell us a little bit about what they're working on, as well as a selection of the great lightning talks at the conference.
1: Enjoy.
2: Giant robots smashing into other giant robots. I'm Rob Mack. I'm a developer at Spiceworks in Austin, Texas. Spiceworks provides uh, software for IT pros. Uh, so we have a product that uh, IT pros can download. And it, it's interesting from a Rubyist perspective because it's actually a, a Rails app that, that's wrapped in a Windows installer. Um, so they're downloading a Rails app and running it locally. Um, it inventories their network, uh, provides them a monitoring, statistics, things like that. And then uh, it can also run their help desk um, and run their knowledge base. And then in addition to that, we have a server-side component, which is a traditional Rails app that we're um, running on JRuby right now and uh, that's a community forum where they can connect with other IT pros. This is my first RubyConf. I've been to several Rails comps before but uh, my first RubyConf and uh, it's been fun. Um, really liked the Square talk yesterday on uh, service-oriented architecture. It seems to be a problem that a lot of people are having now where Rails has been out for a while. we built these apps. You know, They've grown and grown and grown and now we're in the situation of what are we going to do with the monolith and and so their approach to that was uh, was
3: pretty interesting. Giant robots smashing into other giant robots. I am Dr. Nick Williams. I am Australian and I work at Engine Yard. And uh, I am the developer evangelist, which is... I tell, you, I tell you a joke about that. So I was recently renewing <laughs> my visa. And so to, to get the E3 visa, you have to go over to uh, Canada or another country ask politely if you can have a visa it's not really renewing, it's asking again and uh, she said, well what's what's your job it was on the form as a VP of developer evangelist, she said, what's that like a religious thing I talked about the next what happens next, once you once your app is not small anymore, more importantly once it starts getting lots of traffic you start to notice, you get errors Bad things. Um, some of them turn up in Ruby. Some of them, Ruby, it's not like it's a Ruby things per se. Ruby might not know it has an error. It's blocking on something because of a socket problem. Um, and what the talk was about, you as developers, we need to give tools to developers, and developers need to start changing their mentality as they become more successful. As, as the app becomes more successful, you need to be constantly getting the success rate or the error rate down, the success rate up. Um, Constantly, So I can't like be, ah, oh, this is out of control, we should do something about this. Somehow, you need to be putting like a weekly chore to go through your logs and look for interesting behavioral traits. You need to be constantly going through the exceptions and saying, know, yeah, let's go and get rid of this one. Constantly doing things to reduce the number of errors. And so what I talked about was a tool called Bosch, which to me is an interesting idea around completely hardening every aspect of deployment. No external dependencies, lots of different tools you know it's trying to reduce the number of things that could go wrong in production deployment and production lifecycle. so that as, as you need to everything this needs to constantly get hard, hardened and hardened and hardened and the downside of that sadly for us Rubius is you need to start picking tools and picking libraries and picking produ- you know, production choices that make our jobs less fun than they were originally so whilst it's fun to build that app initially you're gonna it's gonna get less fun because you have to start you know, manning up so to speak, growing up just, just start actually checking for errors instead of just ignoring them uh, because they turn up in production a lot more than they did in development I don't know what it's like for you when you write slides <laughs> but I'm still deciding exactly what I'm talking about not talking about but how I'm going to coax it and, and get it through the audience and, um, so an hour before the talk I would, my wife was on the text message and said how's the talk and I said I finished it she said what's the theme and I said I don't have one what you know i don't even have any jokes i have nothing um but somewhere between that hour and by the time i go on stage there's theme music there's <laughs> jokes to the there was an interpreter a sign language interpreter we had jokes about her and hopefully she could do sign language in australian and it all sort of comes together at the end um so now i'm, I'm talking to you I, I will now go and watch i'm hoping to watch the celluloid talk and i have no idea what's on tomorrow but i look forward to watching less of it
4: giant robots smashing into other giant robots. My name is Ray Hightower. I run a software company called Wisdom Group in Chicago and I also lead a team that runs Chicago Ruby, the Chicago Ruby User Group and a conference called Windy City Rails. We took over the Chicago Ruby user group when there were five members, and now we have over 2,100 members. And we have an annual conference. And I'm just really proud of all the people that we've been able to meet and interact with in the Ruby community, all the people we've been able to learn from, and the environment we've created where other people are able to learn as well. There are a lot of good talks here. Like I just got out of the uh, Arduino talk. That was done by what's his name? Austin Vance, I think is his name. Uh, awesome, um, um, he, he gave a demonstration where he was using Ruby to control an Arduino device, and that Artu- Arduino device, in turn, was controlling a T-shirt cannon. And it might seem trivial and, and like a toy, but what goes on in my mind is, my goodness, if you can use Ruby to control an Arduino device, you can, you can use it to control some other piece of hardware as well. And I also think of it as something that I'd like to do with my scouts. I'm very active with the Boy Scouts of America. So, you know, we want, we want to increase the number of developers. It's going to take 20 years to take an 11-year-old well, maybe 10 years, take an 11 year scout, turn, uh, turn them into a developer. But they would get excited about that, and that's something I want to bring back to Chicago also. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there's a lot here. Meeting some really smart people, a lot of people who are smarter than me in areas where I still have to learn. And I I like the idea that I can learn from them and then maybe in in some small way I can contribute something as well. So I, I just love the collaborative learning of conferences. A voice made for blogging
5: giant robots smashing into other giant robots my name is Noel Rappin I am currently uh, in charge of internal training at Groupon and I also self-publish I have a book out right now uh, called Master Space and Time with JavaScript it's a JavaScript book that's aimed at sort of advanced beginners Uh, it assumes you already kind of know the syntax of JavaScript Um, it's got a lot of Jasmine testing in it all the examples are test driven and Jasmine and you can get it at my site which is noelrappin.com N-O-E-L-R-A-P-P-I-N Dot com. I mean, everybody says this, but the, Ruby, the community around Ruby is really a great part of being able to work in Ruby. And you know, I've been lucky enough to have been able to go to a lot of regional conferences over the last few years and, and have people that I know when I walk around here and, and uh, also be able to learn from people who are really expert at different components of the Ruby community that's really easy to take for granted, but, but amazing. Giant, giant robots
0: smashing into other giant robots. robots. So my name is uh, John Foley. I'm Nick Howard. And uh, we are um, organizing uh, a group in uh, Boulder, Colorado called Project Rock. And so the basic premise of that is, um, you know, kind of like a book club style uh, meetup, um, except for reading open source software. Um, so we've had a couple of meetings so far, and we're trying to just kind of spread the word about that. Um, you know, you can find us at uh, projectrock.com. We also have a Twitter account at projectrock. Neither of those are terribly active yet, but we're getting there. Um, so, yeah, and we're on meetup.com, uh,
2: and that's how we organize most of our meetings. Um, right now, we're doing them about every two weeks.
0: So far, we've read um, Active Supports. Um, that got a little unfocused, but it was a lot of fun, a lot of good discussion. Um, and then our next one is Sinatra. So, um, hopefully, we can kind of like take this idea and you know spread the spread it to the world. Hopefully, thanks
6: giant robots smashing into other giant robots hey this is Brian Ford and um, I'm Brixen on Twitter I'm giving um, an update at the RubyConf lightning talks and you're going to get the audio version so Rubinius 2.0 RC1 has just been tagged I want to thank Mats uh, Y, Evan the hundreds of committers that we've had to Rubinius over the past several years Dirk Busink, who's been a fantastic help for many years Engine Yard especially, they've been very generous to the open source community, have supported Rubinius for a long time and a bunch of other projects. Uh, Rubinius is going to be available in 1.8, 1.9, and 2.0 language modes. Right now, those language modes are all in a single executable. That's not going to be the way it's going to be uh, in the future. You're going to build a 1.8 version or a 1.9 version or a 2.0 version, so don't depend on it. For our RC process, you basically have a menu of three options. You can get the mild, the medium, or the spicy. The uh, mild option is we're going to tag an RC. Uh, N approximately once a month the medium is we're going to tag a weekly um, build and that's going to be um, tagged with the the number of the week of the year and then uh, finally you can get the uh, spicy which is running on master we want people to be running on master we want to bring this idea of continuous deployment to ruby we have ruby spec and we have the uh, the ability to make that much better so please run on master and give us feedback we're going to have binaries available. Our VM can install binaries. Uh, we're going to have a downloads page with multiple um, platforms as a su- supporter, and you can test Rubinius just by going and, and uh, downloading the binary. We have a file system location uh, independent um, binaries now, so it doesn't matter where you put it, it can run. To run your app uh, that you're running in MRI right now on Rubinius, remove your gemfile.lock because we need to recompile C extensions. Uh, run RBX-S Bundle to uh, reinstall your gems and then just start your app. Test your apps on Travis. Uh, test your app, the, uh, your gems, and uh, any of the gems that your gems use. Get everybody testing their stuff on, on uh, Travis under Rubinius, so that we get really good feedback about how things are working. Um, Engine Yard is, um, has an early access program. Rubinius is available today in early access in 18 and 19. You, f- uh, you can get a sign-up for 500 free hours. You can test this out. You can look at uh, how your 1.8 app, uh, app runs or your one app runs um, by just creating an environment. So uh, please check that out. There's going to be a blog post coming out um, next week um, on the Engine Yard blog where I'm going to give you all that stuff in detail. But there's more. Uh, Rubinius is basically a dynamic language platform. And earlier this year, I gave a talk at JSConf. The rumors of the JS folks being um, really crazy are wildly exaggerated. Uh, Rubinius um, is uh, going to have an implementation of JavaScript running on top of it. You can follow this at github.com slash neonrb. That's neonrb. Uh, there's a couple other languages that are very, very interesting. Fancy is one of those. You can go to uh, fancy-lang.org and check that out. Or you can go to atomy-lang.org and check out Atomy. Atomy is a language that if you're interested in Clojure, you will be very interested It's got macro support uh, and a bunch of other cool ideas. But there's more. Um, I am not a fan of refinements. I really hate refinements, and I believe they are completely unnecessary in Ruby. If you dislike or like refinements and you want to find out um, more about an app that I'm building, sign up at NikitaApp.com. This URL is a little bit hard. It's Nikita and then app, but there's just one A and two P. So dot com. That's it
7: giant robots smashing into other giant robots. Hi, this is Jeff Kasmer from Jumpstart Lab, going to tell you a little bit about G-School, a program we're starting here in Denver to train Ruby developers. So about a year ago now, uh, Chad Fowler from Living Social reached out to me asked, could you, given good people, could you turn them into developers in a short period of time? How long would it take? He said six months. I mean, sorry, (laughs) I said six months. He said, you have five months. And I said, okay. So me and Matt Yoho, uh, now working at GitHub, worked together on creating Hungry Academy. We solicited applications, chose 24 individuals, uh, started class back in March 5th and worked with them through the end of June. During that time, they weren't just building blogs and simpleton projects like this. They built complex apps that use service-oriented architecture, messaging queues, JavaScript front ends, agile practices, all the tools that real developers use every day. Uh, After the program, all 24 finished, Graduated and were hired at Living Social as full time developers where they continue to work and succeed. So, now moving beyond Living Social, we're trying to figure out how to spread this uh, more broadly. And so, we're starting here in Denver with a program named G School. We are going to start again with 24 new developers this January and work with them through July to turn them into professional developers. The instructional team is uh, me from Jumpstart Lab. Mike Gayhard from Pivotal Labs is the lead instructor supported by Steve Klabnik, also from Jumpstart Lab. The applications are open now. They close November 26th. Class is going to start January 5th and complete June 8th so what why does this matter aren't there programs like this already in chicago new york san francisco etc first of all they're cheaper second of all they're shorter now you would think maybe those uh, make it better but short is not an advantage when you're talking about learning this program is not only not cheap it costs 20k uh so the difference here is that we are not outputting people ready to be apprentices, people ready to learn how to program. We build professional developers. We're so confident in it that we've now decided to offer a 100% guarantee. If attendees graduate the program and work with us on finding them a job, we guarantee that within three months, we'll find them a great job here in Colorado or nearby in California, Washington, etc. If we cannot find it for them in three months, we'll refund 100% of their paid tuition. So you're thinking to yourself, I'm already a programmer. Why do I care about this? The programming community is hugely important to us, primarily because all of you know those five friends, maybe family members, maybe significant others that you think could be great programmers, but they just don't have the time and resources to learn send them our way, refer us applicants. You might consider sponsoring scholarships, uh, consultancies and product companies here in Denver and nationally are already working with us on offering scholarships, um, particularly to causes you're interested in. So maybe uh, scholarships for women to get into programming or uh, people of color or people from disadvantaged backgrounds, et cetera. We need companies to get into our selection team uh, to hire graduates after they finish and finally, would love for you to come mentor or guest teach if you have a uh, reason to be here in Denver. So if you're interested in any of those things, please contact me, Jeff Kazimer. Uh Easiest way to reach me is infoinfo I-N-F-O, at gschool.it. That's it. Thank you. Giant robots smashing
8: into other giant robots. Uh, so, my name is Daniel Huckstep. I work for yardstick software uh, i 'm going to talk about RC files and you automating your project. Uh, so your app is not one language it 's not just Ruby, Python, Java. Um, you at least have bash. you have a shell um, or maybe z shell whatever uh, so you open up your terminal, you CD into a directory, and then you start working uh, so with your terminal uh, bash, you have a lot of tools. it has you know a programming language in it. you can do loops there 's functions. Um, there's environment vari- variables. So we can plug these things into an, a little RC file to help you automate the tedious things. Um, so my RC file for Forest Fire, which is the source for uh, tinderizer.com, includes things like I grab the Heroku config and I grep out some config uh, you know, tokens for readability and postmark, and I set those in my environment. And I have a watch function to recompile uh, CoffeeScript. Um, so I can cd into the directory and do dot space rc and that will source that file and load it into my environment and then I have access to all of those things. Um, my rc file for my blog uh, admin side of things has an alias for rake to do bundle exec rake. Uh, has a start and stop function to start and stop uh, memcache and Postgres and then I have a function to restore a database dump from Heroku. Um, the rc file for... My company software has the uh, bundle exec rake alias, but it also has an eval to load up this other little init script. So what it does is it gives us a lot of commands that all start with the YS prefix, YS-bugs, YS-CIS, deploy, errors, going, etc. So these are all powered by a program called sub, and it'll turn the YS-deploy script into YS deploy and then some arguments that i just type on the command line and it will in this case deploy our app to production staging whatever Uh, ys going will open up github to tell me what is going to staging or what is going to go to production the next time Um, and things like that we have one to open a console on a certain environment stuff like that so sub was extracted from the 37 signals code base somewhere they pulled it out and open sourced it and it is awesome the basics are: you clone the repository um, into a directory of your choice, like just uh, in our case, it was uh, ys. And then we cd into that directory and then run the prepare script uh, with the name of the sub that you you want to give it. In our case, ys. So you know dot slash prepare dot sh ys. Uh, then you remove the git directory so you can commit it into your app, and you start writing your commands in uh, libexec in you know where you put the sub slash libexec. And then you have the name of your sub dash the command name. Um, so, in our again, in our case, ys dash deploy, ys dash going, etc. And then you add that little eval init line, which you can get from the sub docs, uh, to that rc file in the root of your project. And then we drop the base. So, what else does it do? It supports uh, auto-completion for one. That's the, the best part, I think, because you just type... Uh, ys and then you can tab and it'll show you all the commands you can do so you can usually get a command uh, without typing a whole lot of stuff Um, and it also and you just have to set up your script to allow the auto-completion to tell it what it should auto-complete it supports inline documentation uh, in that at the top of your file you specify a few things and then it can run its little help routines to say you know, ys commands and it'll show you all the commands and you can say ys help deploy and it'll tell you what you can do with that command specifically um, and it's all just bash or whatever you want it to be because it doesn't really care what the commands are in the lib exec directory as long as it can run them and as long as they're named correctly so you could use Ruby, Python, Haskell, Pascal it doesn't, it doesn't really care uh, you just have to put it in the libexec directory and name it appropriately um, so what do you do now Uh, don't do anything more than once by hand what a computer can do for you. Uh, You can automate a whole lot of stuff and with sub and a little RC file, you don't have an excuse not to. So stop doing things by hand and automate it. Thanks.
9: Love you guys. Giant robots smashing into other giant robots. Hey, uh, I'm Josh, Josh Maida. Uh, I'm organizing a hangout on the internet uh, called the Ruby Hangout. Um, So first off, like who attends a local Ruby meetup? I mean, it's great when you have the opportunity uh, to meet up. I think meetups are a really great way to share information and to build community. I really think that I wouldn't be half as decent a programmer as I am today without uh, my local meetups. Um, But I live in the DC area and I'm a little bit spoiled because in the DC area we've got like, you know, four, eight or I don't know, they keep multiplying the number of meetups that are around. Um, But what if you can't make it? What if you have obligations at work or you have kids or animals or whatever to take care of? Or, I mean, what if you don't live nearby? If you just aren't near a meetup, you're kind of out of luck. Uh, So I'm starting a meetup that's on the internet uh, called the Ruby Hangout. It is uh, using Google Plus and Google Hangouts. We use uh, Google Plus Hangouts on air to hang out uh, 10 people in the Hangout and then broadcast via YouTube to any number of people who want to watch the live stream. We use moderators in the Hangout to pull questions in from Twitter, IRC, and YouTube. And feed those to the presenters. And uh, our last presentation, we uh, talked to Chad Fowler, did a nice interview, and had a presentation from Evan Light. And everything went really well. So I was really impressed with how well Google Plus handled everything uh, with the Hangout. After the talks, we break out into smaller Hangouts. Uh, you know, they only support ten, but you know we have. As many hangouts as we need, and we'll all you know hang out, grab a beer, geek out, uh, chat. I mean, that's really the best thing that I think is it comes out of a meetup is the community that you build and the friends that you make. So, our next meetup is Wednesday, November seventh at 7 p.m. Eastern. Uh, I think that's midnight UTC, so you can do the math for whatever it is in your local time zone. Uh, our presenter is uh, so far Jeff Casimir and we're looking to fill another slot, so uh, stay tuned. Uh, you can look for us on Google Plus, we're plus Ruby Hangout. On Twitter, we're at Ruby Hangout. And our website is therubyhangout.com. Thanks. Giant robots smashing into other giant robots.
10: Hi, my name is Ron Evans, also known as Dead Program on Twitter. I work at the Hybrid Group in Los Angeles, we're a software development consultancy. And I'm here to tell you about Gitness. So software developers think we are superheroes, right? We can do anything. We can solve any problem. And we probably can. The problem is when we build the wrong solution, we solve the wrong problem. We do client service work, and so we have to align the work that we do very, very closely with the needs of the client. Because if you don't do it right, you end up with mad clients. And whose fault is it? Really, it's your fault because you haven't done the work necessary to elicit the expectations from the client of what the system is supposed to do. Well, like all Unixy things, we're doomed to reinvent the same solutions over and over. So Uncle Bob Martin has been an advocate of aligning solutions with systems for a long, long time. And he actually created a fantastic solution called Gitness, excuse me, Fitness. So Fitness is a wiki which allows you to do acceptance testing by having the actual business-facing users enter the requirements in the wiki, and then using some fixtures, connect that to the system under test. Well, fitness has shown some age. It's not being used quite as often as probably it should be. Since then, there's been a fantastic tool created called Cucumber by Aslak Halasak, And a number of people use that, and it's really, really amazing. But I'm surprised how many software developers I hear that say, you know, I don't really use Cucumber. You know, I don't see a reason why. I think, do you actually build software for clients that matches what they need? I'm not so sure. And there's a fantastic book about this exact subject called specification by example that I highly recommend all software developers read and then give to their clients because it's very, very useful because it helps explain this idea specific examples are needed in order to align the software that you're building with the solution that the customer needs. So we thought, wow, we could take Cucumber and hook it up to a Git-based wiki, and that would allow us to do round-trip solutioning where the customer can actually be constantly modifying and changing the requirements as they evolve without modifying your code base. So we created something called Gitness, dot com is where you can find it. And it's a new tool where we are attempting to synchronize a Git-based wiki with features along with the ability to integrate those in seamlessly with your solution, execute them with Cucumber, and then push those back to the Git-based wiki if you modify them. That way you really have round-trip solution engineering. So please check it out, gitness.com. You can also follow us, Gitness, on Twitter. It's a very young and new project, but we really hope that the community will rally behind it and do a better job of developing the right software.
3: Giant robots
1: smashing into other giant robots.
10: Features gonna creep up on you. Features gonna creep up on you. Features gonna creep up on you. Features gonna, creep up
1: on you. Features gonna
10: creep up on you.
1: Hello, my name is Christian Trosclair. I'm part of the Hybrid group. I participate in Kids Code Camp, a hack on Kids Ruby. Have you? Do you? Why not? Really? Come on. Support Kids Code Camp. Support Kids Ruby. I've got a secret I wanna tell you. I'm a creep. I'm creeping in all your gems and stealing your codes. And I surveyed all the feature toggle gems and came up with feature creep. It's just a plain old Ruby object. There's no DSL, no magic. You can roll your own data store. You can bring in your own business logic. The functionality is broken into separate gems so you can insert things as you want. Uh, coming soon, we have more data stores, an admin panel, uh, a CLI, uh, view helpers. But I should warn you that the API is changing right now, so give us a, like a week and it'll solidify. And the domain is featurecreep.io. Giant robots smashing into other giant robots. Hey, everybody. My name is Richard Schneeman, or at Schneems on the Internet. Uh, I teach at the University of Texas, work for Heroku, and get all my material, at Schneems.com. Uh, so open source has a huge, huge issue, and that issue is issues. So if you look at the Rails um, community the, the on GitHub, there's about 400 open issues right now, about 150 pull requests, and... Uh, that's just way too many for one person to digest. And matter, a matter of fact, like there's actually a team working on this, like basically full time, and looking at every single new issue that comes in. And even that's too much. Um, so really, at the end of the day, would you rather having five people looking at 400 issues, or would you rather have 400 people looking at 400 issues? So I created a tool. It's uh, it's called Issue Triage. You can get to it by going to issuetriage.heroku.com. Um, you sign up and uh, select a repo that you're interested in helping to triage, helping to uh, bear the burden, as you will. And once a day, it will send you a quick little bite-sized Issue that is currently open and ask for you to help share some of the load in triaging it. Um, and uh, this, is, the goal of this is to try and get more people involved in open source. A lot of people constantly ask me, "I want to get involved. I want to learn more about code. I want to get deeper in the libraries I use. And how can I do this?" And um, you're obviously not going to look at all of the issues coming in. And signing up for mailing lists and stuff, like yeah, you can do that. But this is a great way. It just it's very uh, very small scope. You you get very in depth in that code, um, and it's. Uh, also is a great way to be a pointer towards future commits. I, when I started doing this, I started um, sending myself one issue from the Rails project. I had just a few commits in the project and, um, and you know now I have quite a few. Uh, so it's been a great way to find commits and find uh, pain points and it's also helped to take load off of the maintainers of that project. So uh, anybody can go sign up right now, issue triage, all one word, all com, and uh, please give it a shot. Help to contribute to open source and make the world a better
0: place. Um, Follow me on Twitter at Schneems. will you? Giant robots smashing into other giant robots. My name's Chris Maddox. Um, I was a philosophy major at Hamilton College before dropping out and joining the Hungry Academy with Jeff Casimir and co. at Living Social. Um, as a philosophy major, I focused a lot on psychology, actually. Uh, we're finally getting to a point where the psychology is caught up with the philosophy in terms of figuring out why we're happy. Um, mm-hmm. So we get a lot of job offers as software engineers, so I'd like to present a pop quiz. So you're handed two job offers. In the one hand, you make 65K, while everyone else that you will work with makes 68K. And on the other hand, you make 63K, but everyone else around you makes 60K. So you either make objectively more money, but relatively less, or vice versa. 84% of respondents said that they would actually take the job with less money, which seems really weird, right? And then, however, when asked... um, Which job would make them happier, 66% of people said that the job where they made objectively less money, but relatively more than the people around them, um, they recognized that that job would make them happier, which seems kind of odd that, that... The objective dollar amount doesn't seem to matter to people as much as we might think it will. It turns out that in um, psychology, there's something called the fulfillment curve. It looks like a basic bell curve, where at the top is the point at which diminishing returns kicks in. So the more money you make will not actually make you a noticeable amount. Uh, happier. That happens at about $75,000 a year, which seems pretty low. If you were to ask people on the street, you know, how much you need to really be happy? They might say a million dollars a year or $500,000 a year. It turns out once you actually fulfill all of your responsibilities, you're able to feed your family, you're able to take your kids out to lunch or to dinner every once in a while, have some sort of disposable income. After that, money isn't really going to solve a lot of your problems. Um, there's this idea that the Internet means around first world problems and that there are these, you know, I hate my government, but I live too comfortably to get motivated enough to do anything about it. And a lot of these stem because at a certain point the problems that really bug us, the things that are really important to us, have nothing to do with money. We, it comes from passion. We want to change the world. We want to be happy and have a, purpose, uh, a purpose-driven life. And, and that's something that salary kind of doesn't have anything to do. It doesn't correlate to what you're actually doing. Um, something that really upsets people is traffic. But it's ironic that as they make more money, people tend to move out of cities, and yet they will still commute in. And the reason they do this is they say, oh, I can have this much bigger house if I live in the out in the suburbs but then what happens is they have to commute in and the traffic that chaos that uncontrollable um, part of their day that they have to go through every day makes them a lot less happy Um, so it's something as paradoxical as seeing oh i want a really big house that will actually make you less happy in the end because it's not the house that makes you happy it is spending time with your family or spending time um, doing your work that you're really passionate about um, rather than being stuck in traffic if you've ever tried to buy mustard, there's, it's very complicated because you go into the store and there are 35 kinds of mustard and your brain is sitting there and it's trying to pick out which one. It looks at the names and the labels and then you look at fat content and wh- if it was made in France or whatever. And at a certain point, after about four or five um, decision options are presented to you, your brain just kind of shuts down. It's unable to make a decision that actually will positively affect your happiness and it just says, I'm just gonna pick anything so that this, w- this nightmare of indecision will be over. Um, it's just something to keep in mind when you're deciding between a lot of different options to pick between two or three, having the freedom to pick a thousand out of a pool of a thousand is not actually an advantage as I think a lot of recruiters have found. Um, so those are just kind of things to like, keep in mind about how to make yourself happy about limiting your choices and yet picking the, the factors that actually matter when you're getting a job offer. It's not about the amount of money you make, but about the impact that you can actually have long term. Um, to positively affect what you believe in. Thank you.
10: Giant robots smashing into other giant robots. Oh, giant robots smashing into other giant robots.